Hello, music lovers, and welcome to this first... Uh, oh, fucking hell. Right. <laughs> That's the intro right there. <laughs> okay, let's try again. lovers and welcome to this first edition of a brave new exploit for us here at Bad Things. Welcome to Extra Bad. This is, well I think it sort of started off as a sort of catch-all term for all our extra content, but we've devised this little series here where we're going to take you through Britain's musical history, except the 50s, picking out our least favourite number one singles from every decade. And this, of course, is something I cannot do alone. I must extend my generic salutations to my my uh, co-lover of the terrible, Nathan Packham. Hello, sir. Hello. I am so excited to do this. Um, and we, we, sh- um, we, love, we love chart music. We do love chart music, and a lot of it's quite good, um, mm. despite maybe our early days of just being staunchly, you know, serious music lovers. Uh, <laughs> it always breaks down right. in the end. Um, and yeah. we, sh- we should explain why we've excluded the 50s, because most of it's quite decent crooner music and the South Pacific soundtrack. <laughs> so... Yeah, and also the, the the chart didn't get started until fifty two anyway, so it wouldn't be a full decade. So you know we're doing the we're doing every full decade of the British chart. Yes, uh, and starting off with uh, just obviously one of the best and one of the most important <laughs> decades, uh, the nineteen sixties. Doesn't mean there's not a lot of guff to discuss though as well. There is a lot of guff. Um, yeah, would you say that the sixties is your favourite decade for music? It is between the uh, 60s and the 80s. And a shout out to the second half of the 2010s as well, which I thought was excellent. But Mm. fuck 2006. (laughs) Yeah, I would also... Yeah, 60s is probably top for me. Um, I think we've both discussed this before. We're both big big Beatles guys. Um, You're a Sinatra guy who had a bit of a resurgence in the 60s. (laughs) Uh, so we've got there's so much to talk about, so much innovation, so many weird and wacky songs. But as you said, there's a lot of guff, a lot of bollocks. And how this is going to work is we've picked five each. Uh, so this is a, a terrible top ten, if you will. And we're going to start. We're going to go from number five to number one. We'll just sort of bounce off each other. We'll both introduce our tracks. Uh, give a little thought behind why we think they're so shit. <laughs> Uh, and then we'll open it up to you at home, the audience, to give us your least favourite number ones from the decade that was. So um, I don't really have much else to say on this apart from... Well, I thought about talking maybe about, you know, our favourite number ones of the 60s, the best, but there's just so many. Like, I don't even know where we'd where we'd start with that. The problem being with me as well, I don't know if they were number ones. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was, your, what was your research like for this? Because I sort of went out of my way to listen to a lot of stuff I hadn't heard before. That That um, is commitment. <laughs> 
Thank you to whoever put together the every UK number one of the 60s playlist on Spotify. Oh, wow. Um, Fair play. Forever, forever in your debt. Um, it was a bit awkward when Two Little Boys by Rolf Harris came on, but we'll gloss over is, that. Is that not making the list? <laughs> well, I'd, I think I'd rather just not talk about it, if that's okay. We had Rolf in our uh, LVK episode. He was painting <laughs> his dream. He was, yeah. Uh, and one discussion of Rolfie is enough for me, so we'll gloss over that. But obviously a terrible, terrible human being, so that goes without saying. Um, so yeah, did you just sort of go off what you knew? Yeah, that's kind of the angle I played it with. There were um, there were maybe a few covers where I was like, oh, this could be awful. So I had a little... <laughs> Had a little listen hmm. there, but yeah. I think I know the one you're talking about. <laughs> you might well know the one I'm talking about. Was it from 1968? By it is from 1968. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know exactly the one you're talking about. Um, but yeah, uh, apart from that, I uh, just went with various earworms that have frustrated me over the years that I knew hmm. previously. And I will be honest, for this decade, it's so strong that I have no honourable mentions. Wow. Um, I just have five straight up terrible tunes to talk about. <laughs> wow. Uh I have I have quite a few because there's quite a lot of shit. Um but I think I'll save them towards the end because I don't want to give away any that you might have uh, in your list. Good show. So um yeah, let's we'll talk about that maybe in the gap between two and one. Um but yeah, there's so much to get into here. And I think this is really going to be an interesting look into our musical psyches. And I think we're really going to find out what we look for in music, what we like. Well, definitely what we don't like. Um, And I think this could be the first ever bad things bust up. I think we could have an argument over some of these Where do you think the bust ups are going to occur? Because we hate shit. (laughs) Um, I think probably the 70s and the 80s we might have an argument. Okay. Because I don't hate some of the stuff that you hate from the 80s i like bon jovi is what i'm saying okay but i still think we both dislike grandma we love you so um, <laughs> or whatever it's called it's not even called that i can't it's like song i think for it grandma. is called that yeah some some winifred school choir um are we really going to put children in the list of the yeah, worst yes, songs we of all time? <laughs> oh dear uh, i can't okay. stand children's choirs and i'm happy to say that right now Nathan Packham hates children. (laughs) Okay, so without further ado, is it time to get in our musical time machine and head back to a time of long hair, mini skirts, mini coopers and Paul McCartney's moustache? Yes, play that whole lot of love theme again. (laughs) Okay, so Nathan, do you want to kick us off with your fifth worst number one single of the 1960s? Jacob, we have already mentioned it in the seven minutes we have been recording so far. (laughs) At number five, we already have one of the dodgiest Beatles songs without the need to cover it. This is going to be Marmalade's version of um, the White Album song. Bloody love the White Album. Everyone should listen to the White Album, but it does have some guff on it. Uh, This is Marmalade's Obla D, Obla Da. cover already receives intense scrutiny from me because I've never heard one that I've thought is as good as Ooh. the original. 
Um, Interesting. There's a couple okay. of like Ray Charles ones that maybe mm. kind of get close. Um, have you heard the the Stevie Wonder version of We Can Work? Yes, Out? I have. That's not that's not too bad. Yeah, um, I like that one. A couple of uh, Across the Universe versions are pretty good as well. And um, that the, the Earth, Wind, and Fire got to get you into my life from the <laughs> from the Sergeant Pepper film. Keep an eye out for that on a future bad thing. Yeah, oh, I'd love to do that film. That'd be so good. Um, yeah, I as soon as you mentioned the Beatles cover, as I was like, right, marmalade. <laughs> I mean, the original itself, I can never decide if I can deal with it or not. This marmalade version brings basically nothing new to the table of an already dodgy song. Uh, there's some additional horn work which there's already quite a lot of horns anyway, so mm. it doesn't really help. And it's just an obvious cash-in on a, a Beatles song that they inexplicably, despite being an annoying earworm, they didn't release it in the UK as a single. There were no singles from the White Album, were there? Uh, Not in this country. That's why it's an artistic feat. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Did you catch the horrible exclamation at the end? Uh, no, I can't remember it that well. So the Beatles version, to see us out, is like, so if you want some fun... In this version they say, and if you want some jam... (laughs) Is that a very loose marmalade reference? Yes, it is a... What what are... Are they sauces? What would you call them? Spreads? Condiments? I think marmalade... Oh, they're a preserve? A (laughs) preserve? How is this the discussion? Um... (laughs) Yeah, I, I knew as soon as you mentioned this was going to be it. Uh, yeah, this is shit. <laughs> Has it made your list at another number? It hasn't, actually, okay. no. I thought um, it's bad, but like it's not... Um, uh, I think because Obla Di Obla Da is such a tainted song anyway, I personally don't mind it. I quite like it. Um, especially the version that gets got released on the Super Deluxe White Album uh, that came out a couple of years ago, the sort of stripped-back acoustic guitar version. I really like that. Is that the one where um, John shits on Paul and he's like, obla dee, obla da, brother? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's also got, and this is some super nerdy Beatles stuff at the end, George Martin going, that was perfect right up to the very last bit. <laughs> I live for those sorts of things. Oh. And um, But yeah, the marmalade, they're like, a, this is the only hit they ever had, right? I, I I assume so. Not, not heard of them in any other guys. Yeah, um, I think they're Scottish. I think they're a Scottish group. Hmm. But and um, if you want some jam, <laughs> this is all you're going to get. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I don't I don't hate that as a choice. It's not in my top five, but yeah, it's bloody awful. Jacob, please let me know your fifth place entry. Okay, so I, uh, this might be a controversial pick because it is from one of the most successful artists of all time. In fact, the most successful in terms of British chart success. One of his 21 <laughs> UK number ones. This is from 1961. It's Elvis Presley and Wooden Heart. <laughs> Can you see I love you? Please don't break my heart in two. That's not hard to do, cause I don't have a wooden heart. And if you Nathan, have you heard this song? I haven't. It sounds like a okay. clunky song title. Yeah, it's um it's from a film. It's from G.I. Blues. <laughs> oh fuck. Uh, which is uh so Elvis's film career um it is is a glittering array of, of shit. Um, he has he's had some good good um, films from by all accounts. I've not seen a lot of them, but uh, films like 
King Creole. Oh get my, a lot that's of love. the one. That is the. Yeah. He's so fucking cool in that film. <laughs> um, and the song as well, King Creole. The song is so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then you get Blue Hawaii, so you know. Yeah, you get Blue Hawaii, Jailhouse Rock, all that stuff. Um, and like a lot of Elvis's good songs came in the fifties. He did have some good ones in the sixties. There's Can't Help Falling in Love, Return to Sender, uh, Devil in Disguise. Uh, my favourite Elvis track, Don't Be Cruel, that was in the 50s. Um, if I Could song, Dream is a 60s song? E, I don't know that one, actually. What? I saw it in the list, but... <laughs> no, I don't I, mean, I don't think we've ever really talked about Elvis. Are you much of an Elvis guy? Uh, I compare him to Freud. He's... <laughs> of course, of course you do. He's like the of starting course. point, but there was better stuff afterwards. It's kind of... Okay. Um, and... It frustrates me how his legacy ends up shitting on Chuck Berry and Little Richard, who I think are mm. better. Mm. Yeah, well, that is the old conundrum of the the white guy coming in and taking the uh, the black genre, yeah, uh, and popularizing it. But um, yeah, this back to Wooden Heart. It's got this horrible like umpa band thing going, um, and there are some verses that are in German for no reason at all. I don't know whether it pertains to the film, but. It's it's just so cheesy and horrible, and I I put it so high. It might not. It's probably there are worse songs out there, but because it's Elvis, I just expected better. Mm. And this song comes up a lot. Like, this song sold loads. Like it's the biggest selling song of 1961 in the UK, and it's bloody dreadful. It's just like this. Even in 61, which is not renowned for being a great year for music. There's got to be tons of other stuff that was better than this. And this was number one for six weeks. <laughs> what's what's the premise of the song? Um, essentially, it's like, I think the wooden heart refers to the woman who's been cruel to him. And he's <laughs> like, oh, I, I can't do this to you because I don't have a wooden heart like you. And then there's a sort of loose puppet metaphor going on as well where he talks about being on her strings and... It's just like, I know it was the 60s and I know that we didn't know any better, but it's just pants. It's utter, utter pants. Okay, we're on to number four. Uh, Nathan Packham, what is your choice? Yeah, we are going on a similar theme to Elvis. It's a uh, massive selling rock and roller um, who perhaps had his better days in the late 50s. My number four is Britain's answer to Elvis, Cliff Richard. From the summer holiday soundtrack, Bachelor Boy. He said, son, you are a bachelor boy, and that's the way to stay. Son, you be a bachelor boy until your dying day. Ironically, I could get yeah. behind it. Um, but it is, I don't want to mention Freud again, but... Uh, <laughs> It is an excruciating Freudian narrative about a guy who's told by his dad in just what must be one of the worst things you could ever be told by a parent. You won't find anyone. You're, you're, you're a bit rubbish. Just accept your fate. Yeah, it's really weird because he go, it sort of tells the story of going through his life and like he meets this nice woman and he's just like, nope, no, thank you. He can't give in to his desires because of the booming voice of his father <laughs> in his head. Mm. Um, 
obviously this would take on a whole other meaning uh, if you consider the actual real life of Cliff Richard, who has remained unmarried for the entirety of his life. Um, although I do, I did read that he still plays this, um, which must be a strange thing to have to do for your fans. It, it's real commitment to the marketing, isn't it? It's yeah. like, maybe this song wasn't uh, meant as a record. Maybe it was just a cry for help from Cliff. It was like, <laughs> no, seriously, my dad fucked me up when I was a kid. I have serious commitment issues. Help. Even in 62, he felt hopeless on this <laughs> on this issue. He did nearly marry uh, Sue Barker, which is an interesting <laughs> side note. That is my favourite celebrity couple of all time. Cliff Richard and Sue Barker. Um, have you seen the um, Summer Holiday film? I haven't, no. Um, I've seen, obviously, the clip where, like, the bus fades into colour. That's great. Yeah. Um, and, obviously, I know the, the title track, Summer Holiday. Have you seen it? I have. It's it's not going <laughs> to... It's not going to spark your intellectual flame, but um, it's a really good, fun watch from, okay. uh, from a point of irony as well. It's a really good watch. Um, mm. Don't think it's quite bad enough for bad things, annoyingly, because I think we'd have a whale of a time discussing this film jacob pinging back to you for your number four is it a freudian cliff richard narrative (laughs) no it's um one of the songs i discovered during my my marathon listening session uh i don't know if you're gonna know this so i don't know how easy it will be to talk about but it's from 1968 uh it is called cinderella rockefeller and it's by esther and obi ofarim Nathan, do you know this song? I don't, but my sister, when she used to be a teacher, uh, directed Hmm. a uh, play called Cinderella Rockefeller. Oh, really? So that's my only anecdote for this (laughs) song. (laughs) Okay, Uh, well, maybe your sister knows more about this than you, but uh, I did some research. It's written by Mason Williams, uh, who is a very good classical guitarist. He wrote Classical Gas. I'll do Classical Gas! And it's recorded by the Israeli duo, husband and wife Esther and Obi Ofarim. Don't ask me which one's the husband and which one's the wife, because I can't remember. Um, it's got like a weird sort of yodeling moti- motif, where they're like, you're the lady, you're the lady. And it's sort of like a sort of call and response thing between this man and this woman, where he's like, oh, you're my Cinderella, and she's like, oh, you're my Rockefeller. It's it's like panto music. Is this like the troll-a-lol-a-lol of its time? <laughs> no, because that song's actually entertaining. And uh, it's this Soviet. One, <laughs> uh, the, this one is just like... It, it says it's a novelty song, but I don't get the joke. Like... I don't, and I love a novelty song. Uh, I'm actually quite concerned that there's going to be some novelty songs in your top five. That I'm going to have to defend. Oh, the seventies! Uh, but... Like we've we've already kind of done our seventies top five, written them down. That <laughs> is going to be novelty everywhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, this song isn't funny. It's bad, and it's got this sort of horrible jangly banjo sound in the background that just makes it sound like it's off like a shit kids' film. Um, 
And it was number one for three weeks in 1968. <sighs> just, what? <laughs> just just the prehistory before the 70s there, really. Just gearing yeah. everything up. <laughs> the premonition. Well, 68 was still good. That was still, um, you know, the White Album year. Yeah. Um, what was did the Beach Boys do an album in '68? Oh yeah, but I think that that's off the rails time. Oh, okay. uh, that might be was... uh, that might be Wild. Um, oh no, that might be like Smiley Smile or Wild yeah. Honey. Um, yeah. Electric Ladyland is '68. Uh, oh okay. Yeah. Mm. Shout out to my boy Jimmy. <laughs> uh, I can't remember that. Was it was Let It Bleed? Was that the Stones album that year? Oh yeah, I don't, oh, my Stones chronology is bad. <laughs> Uh, it's either Let It Bleed or Sticky Fingers. I can't remember which one, but like this has no place topping the charts. And I think that's kind of what I've tried to judge it against is did it deserve to be number one at the time against sort of what, what else was coming out? Uh, and this one just really offended me when I first heard it. Do you, do you think Marmalade deserved to be number one in <laughs> absolutely, 68? Absolutely not. So, yeah, 1968, not looking like a good year. Um is your number three from 1968, Nathan, or have you spared it for the bronze position? It is not from 1968. Okay. Uh, we are going back to 1963. Maybe my most controversial choice of okay. this podcast. I kind of... They're, they're pretty good, but I have gone with Jerry and the Pacemakers with I Like It. I like it. That chorus hook, what is going on? <laughs> it's horrible. It's it's really poor. Yeah, I don't know whether it's... I mean, I don't want to say it's the accent because that's kind of offensive. Uh, is it the sound recording quality? Is it just like the intonation of it? It doesn't work. Um, it works as a single because you, you're never going to get it out of your head. But um, beyond that, it does not work. Mm. There's no artistic merit here at all. No, uh, the line, I like the way you straighten my tie. Is <laughs> is that an innuendo? I don't know. It's hard to say with some of this stuff because... I think like, you know, that you have to you just have to listen to all the references of like, oh, she held my hand and squeezed it tightly. That's that's the sort of that's what we were playing with in the 60s. That was raunchy. Oh, but yeah. Oh, some hand on hand contact. Um, And yeah, so it might have been an innuendo, but um, it probably wasn't ever sold as one. If it was, it was probably just an in joke from from the guys in the band. Yeah, I I feel bad putting sort of Beatles colleagues uh, in this list, uh, but it is um, yeah, it's it's not. And of course, this is the same band that uh, did "You'll Never Walk Alone," so <laughs> it does balance itself out. Um, do you like "You'll Never Walk Alone"? Oh, I think it's incredible. <laughs> uh, do you not like it? No, I do. I don't. I don't rate it as highly as you, um, but I like it. Yeah, it's obviously their one of their best known hits. Do you know much else about Jerry and the Pacemakers? Because they are—they've never ever come up on my radar. He's still alive. That's about all <laughs> I can. Uh, Jerry Marsden is still alive. Yeah. Um, obviously, the Beatles wrote them. Uh, How do you do it? Mm. Um, but apart from that, uh, they were—they were a cavern act who had 
uh, a few big singles. That's as, that's as far as I can take it. Um, yeah. And with that, I would like to know your number three. Okay. Uh, well, my number three, uh, this changed quite a few times. Uh, it was originally going to be a song by Petula Clark called Sailor. Have you heard of that? Nope. I thought you were going to say uh, Downtown and I was going to kill you. Oh, God, that song's amazing. How yeah. dare you? Um, but I decided in the end to opt for this track. It's from 1962. Uh, it features a guy called Mike Sarney, uh, who's an actor whose credits include the Avengers, the Joanna Lumley one, not the uh, Iron Man one. Uh, He's also been in The Bill, and he was in the Les Mis film in 2012, so he knows Paul Leonard. Uh, (laughs) And it is featuring, quote-unquote, some vocal interjections from Wendy Richard, who is best known for her role as Pauline Fowler in (laughs) EastEnders. This is Come Outside. Come outside Get lost Come outside Go and ask Lou There's a lovely moon out there Go people Come outside Give over Oh, come outside Belt up While we got time to spare Why don't you listen to the beast? Little doll, I know the band So this is like, this is very typical 60s sort of cheeky, chappy, mockney music where... Mike Sarney is, is sort of talking to Wendy Richard like, oh, come outside, love, and I'll show you the moon. And and she's like, oh, give over. And all that stuff. Um, Here's your soundbite. Have you heard um have you heard much of the Vernons girls? No, I have no idea who they are. Uh they're a they're a vocal trio from Liverpool and uh they had a song called We Love the Beatles. <laughs> Uh, and it's just them like, oh, I love Ringo. He's got such nice air. And, and it's like, oh, I think Paul's a bit of all right. Um, and it's it's in that sort of vein. It's very sort of... So essentially um, Cavern Club Vox Pops put the music, basically. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a carry-on song uh, in every sense of the word. Um, and it's just, oh, it's just embarrassing. It's like a, it's a part of British culture that... I think deserves to be buried and and never remembered. Uh, I worked. Uh, I I work in in radio, and I used to do this show with a guy who would open every show with like an old novelty song, and there were so many of this, like songs by like Kenneth Williams and Frankie Howard, uh, Sid James, and stuff like that. And it's sort of big bawdy humour where you know it's horribly misogynistic, and I know that we can't judge it based on modern standards because this was nearly 60 years ago but oh it's just bloody awful like i can't stand it and the final line is um mike sarney going oh come outside for a bit of slap and tickle (laughs) (laughs) what 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 is the definition of slap and tickle (laughs) it just means sex doesn't it is that literally what it means fair enough um or is it just yeah it's just general sort of Heavy petting. I don't really know. I don't sexist think, I don't... tomfoolery. <laughs> I don't know where the slap comes into it. That's that's the last thing I want to be doing. Oh, Robin Thicke's back. <laughs> Give you sex therapy. Um. So yeah, that's my that's my pick for number three. I assume you've never heard it. Nope, I have not. I never <laughs> want to hear slap and tickle. <laughs> so we're into the top two, and what? Is your bubble pick? What just mixed out, miss, uh, missed out on the top spot? 
I'm going back even further to uh, the the years that you hate. Uh, <laughs> so um, I. You mean the years before the Beatles put, brought their first album out? Exactly. In my notes, <laughs> I've written uh, this is one of the most obvious examples of super safe pre-Beatles pop, um, and this is going to be Helen Shapiro with hmm. uh, "Walking Back to Happiness." <gasps> I have loved you more each day, walking back to happiness. Whoop-ah, oh yeah, said goodbye to loneliness. Whoop-ah, oh yeah, I never knew I'd miss you. Now I know what I must do. Walking is this back our first disagreement? This is our first disagreement. I like this song. Oh, can't stand it. Really? Yeah, I can't stand really? it. Really? What's wrong with it? I just... It's just so safe. Um, it's like a, a proto Eurovision entry that the, the likes of which we would get over and over again in the seventies. I cannot stand the uh, whoop oh yeah yeah. Oh Can't no! Stand that. I love that. It's too safe and it's got a horrid refrain, and that's why it entered at number two. Um, wow. And was this a Euro? No, this what was this a Eurovision entry? I don't think it was. Did she, I don't I don't remember her ever doing Eurovision. Yeah, um, Helen Shapiro. I get Helen Shapiro and Sandy Shaw mixed up a lot of the time. Well, interesting you say that. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh Jesus. Okay, really unexpected, but yeah, I like this. I think um, I think it's got like. When you look at the other stuff that was coming out of this time, like at least there's a bit of oomph to it. At least there's a kick to it. Like if you look at stuff from like Frank Ifield and um, you know the the really early sort of shit rock and roll stuff, there's a bit of bit of give to this. Um, and I would never ever put it in my top five <laughs> or bottom five rather. Yeah, uh, I yeah I just have an allergy to this song. Um... <laughs> And uh, to me, it is a prime example of everything that went wrong with rock and roll before the Beatles totally rewrote the uh, the rule book. Wow. Okay, now, I really didn't expect that at all. Um... <laughs> you, you sound like you're grieving. <laughs> it's just taken me by surprise. I just, I didn't even really listen to it. I just saw it on the list and was like, oh. That's a good song. I won't even bother with with even considering that. So, wow. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out because uh, there was another Helen Shapiro song that I uh, almost picked. I can't remember what it was called. Um, so I'm just going to have a look through. You don't know, right? Have you heard that? No, one? I haven't. Oh, okay. It's just uh, there's no umph there. Uh, there's no whoopa like, sort of thing. <laughs> there's no whoopa. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh wow! Okay, wow. Uh, I'm that's really thrown me for some reason. All right, uh, go on then. Uh, hit hit okay. me up with your number two. <laughs> okay, my number two is is because as all things are uh, is again connected to the Beatles. Uh, this is Billy J. Kramer yeah. from 1964, and it's called Little Children. <laughs> I'm telling you. Little children, you better tell what you see. And if you're good, I'll give you candy and a quarter. If you're quiet, like you ought to be. 
Nathan, have you heard this song? I haven't, and I want to know uh, what Billy J. Kramer was doing with Little Children in 1964. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and dig up the lyrics. Um, I'm not gonna give you any context to these lyrics. Context is important. So, um, but without the context, here are the lyrics. <clears throat> okay. Little children, you better not tell on me. I'm telling you. Little children, you better not tell what you see. And if you're good, I'll give you candy and a quarter. If you're quiet like you ought to be, and keep a secret with me. Uh, there's more lines. Uh, uh, you can't fool me because I'm gonna know if you hide and try and peek. I'm gonna treat you to a movie. Stop your giggling, children. Do be nice, like little sugars and spice. <laughs> Sounds to me like Billy J. Kramer may have been an infamous figure in his, um, uh, in his local town. It is fucking creepy, isn't it? Yeah. So the context is that these children are the siblings of Billy J. Kramer's girlfriend, and he's telling them to stop spying on them where they're kissing, uh, and he's trying to bribe them, essentially, to sort of keep it a secret from their parents. <laughs> well, this just made it doubly worse. So in, I assume in the context they're like 16 or whatever and the parents are like, oh, no boys for you. Uh, and the kids are sort of snooping around. But God, there's lines about giving little children candy. We've essentially got a society that breeds voyeuristic children who then get paid <laughs> off by a creep who gives them candy because he wants to hang out with their maybe underage <laughs> daughter. Yeah. The, the parents, sorry, the um, sister. It's, it's super creepy. Um and it sort of falls into that that category of like, um, uh, you're 16, you're beautiful and you're mine. Sung by Ringo Starr at age 32. And I compared this to, uh, is it Gary Puckett in The Union Gap? Young girl. It's a great song. It's super creepy. I love creepy, that song. But um, it sort of, it, 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 it wins me over because it's a good song. Little Children is not a good song. It's got like a sort of slow piano <laughs> melody. That's really sinister sounding. <laughs> and it's just like, what was he fucking thinking? Like, I don't like Billy J. Kramer anyway, because he just ends up sort of getting the sort of Beatles covers or off cuts or, you know, whatever Brian Epstein sort of threw his way. And then I hear this and I'm like, well, that just confirms it to me. Could you imagine Epstein pitching this? Mm, <laughs> Billy, I've got one for you. <laughs> So just imagine this, you've got a lovely young lady uh, and all of a sudden these little children come running into the room. What do you do? You bribe them with candy. It's genius. It'll sell a million records. Uh, Brian Epstein. (laughs) The man who lost a load of Beatles recordings because he got into a fight with a sailor. Jeez. Do you know much about Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas? I don't. I know I know the name. I know the Beatles mm. connection. And I'm delighted that we were able to do a Brian Epstein impression. Um, <laughs> you mentioning the sailor almost makes me want to mention the time I nearly got you killed by a, <laughs> by a man in the forces. Uh, yes, yes. You, uh, you, you almost got into a, a, a fight with a, a member of the armed forces uh, in a nightclub in Norwich. <laughs> Oh. Jesus, we'll save. We'll maybe save that story for another day. Um, we'll make people pay for that. Jacob, uh, you need to fight this man. 
<laughs> Look, let me tell you, I've got a brilliant idea. We should go up to this soldier and we should bloody well knock his block off. Anyway, so it's come down to this. Uh, <laughs> the, number one, the number one choice. Um, do you want my um, uh, honourable mentions now or do you want to save them for the end? I, be- I don't know any of them. <laughs> um well, I've got. Uh, I put down Jerry and the Pacemakers. I like it. Uh, Cliverich in the Shadow. Please don't tease. Uh, I've got on my list. Uh, Peter and Gordon: A World Without Love. Yes, yeah, I know that. Do you know that one? Yep. Uh, bloody awful. Uh, Jim Reeves: Distant Drums. Uh, I don't like that at all. Um, I've put The Kinks. Tired of waiting. Wow. Uh, but only because I just. I again. I think I expect better from The Kinks. That's a great tune. Do you like it? Yeah. It never does. Any, it never does anything for me. I think it's just a bit slow and, and boring. Um, and yeah, I've put Gary Puckett in the Union Gap. Yeah, young girl and brackets. Good song. Bit creepy. <laughs> oh God! And Ricky Valens. Tell Laura I love her. That song is dreadful. What, what happens in that? Uh, R- Ricky Valens plays a man who uh, falls in love with this woman called Laura, uh, and then goes stock car racing to try and earn some money and then he is killed in the stock car race. Sorry, they cover this in two minutes. <laughs> yeah. And he like he his last message is he rings Laura up and leaves a message on her mother's answering machine that's like, Tell Laura I love her. Oh and then he and then he dies. And like he, he died at a Red Bull soapbox race, basically. <laughs> He died live on Dave. <laughs> What's that Red Bull one they do where they just throw themselves off a pier? That's my favourite. <laughs> okay, so we can put it off no longer. Nathan Packham. Uh, I think I might have an idea of what this is based on your little uh, illusion earlier. Yeah. What is, what is your worst number one of the 1960s? It is from the year of the 60s, 1967. Didn't stop a sort of light fluff from entering the charts at any point um it's the woman with no shoes uh <laughs> sandy shaw uh, and puppet on a string Let's bear this in mind. This was released in the same year as Sgt. Pepper, and about the only thing they have in common is uh, similarities uh, with their interests in childhood and carnivals. I can't stand the umpire going on here, um, which is done so well on Pepper, whether it's, you know, Mr. Kai or any of those weird, weird uh, carnivalistic things that end up happening on Pepper does not come across well here and uh, this was a eurovision entry and in fact it won the eurovision song contest in 1967 yeah i can't disagree with that because it is on my honorable mentions uh puppet on a string yeah i'm just looking at it here uh number one for three weeks in 1967 yeah and sandy shaw didn't really want to do it as well it probably made her a ton of money but um (laughs) She didn't want to do it as well. She said, I hated it from the very first umpire to the final bang on the big bass drum. I was ex- I was instinctively repelled by its sexist drivel and cuckoo clock tune. Hmm. 
Yeah, I don't remember it all that much, really. But um, yeah, I remember taking one listen to it and going, well, this isn't, there's always something there to remind me, is there? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, shall I do a weird rendition of it? Oh, it's please. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's my new ringtone. Oh, horrible. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think I don't think I wanted to put it on here because I, I do like Sandy Shaw. Uh, I do like some of her stuff and she seems like a nice person. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not unhappy with that as a number one. It's it's nothing special, is it? And like you said, 67. I, I would probably put 66 as my favourite year from the 60s. Um, yeah, recordings have... aren't good enough. <laughs> I have come to the conclusion that I prefer Revolver to Sgt. Pepper's. Uh, <laughs> I take it you don't approve. Well, if you can somehow justify Love You Too to me, then... Uh, I like that song. Um, what What else? Well, I mean, Yellow Submarine is on that album, <laughs> so... How, how dare you? That song's fucking great. <laughs> okay, do you want my number one? Let's do it. Okay, and uh, this was number one from the moment we decided to do this absolute drivel no no way should this have ever been allowed near the number one spot bloody hell it's back to liverpool it's 1967 it is ken dot (laughs) and tears tears for souvenirs are all you saying the name Ken Dodd was worth everything there. <laughs> have you heard this song, I haven't. Nathan? Have you no. not heard Tears by Ken Dodd? Okay, it's... Can, can I have a, 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 oh. a, a hummed okay. rendition? Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Tears for souvenirs. Why is it like a Dracula? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's bloody dreadful. Like... Okay, so as I mentioned, novelty songs, big fan. I love tracks by Tommy Cooper and Bernard Cribbins and all that sort of thing. I think they're great fun. This is a serious song. And it's a serious song by a man who is most famous for tickling people with a feather duster. <laughs> Immediately that screams stop to me. The whole and and like it's got this weird sort of big booming operatic thing going on as well and and Ken Dodd is a classically trained singer. Yes, I know that. But, like, who asked for this? Why do I want a comedian singing an opera song? Like, a, a, a serious opera song? It, 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 it doesn't make any sense at all why this song exists. And it was number one for five fucking weeks. Was he, was he managed by Epstein again? <laughs> Kenny, look, I, I've got this wonderful little number... <laughs> Put the feather, put the feather duster down. Put it down. Kenny, Kenny. Number there. <laughs> this fantastic little dit here. You know, I used to manage a chain of record stores, uh, and it's just—it's fucking shit. And and like, it's compounded by the fact that old people love this song. I back on that same show I worked on, 
the guy played this song, and I got so many phone calls being like, oh, we love Ken Dodd, oh, Ken Dodd's the best, it's not like all these modern comedians and this modern music, bring back Ken Dodd, and I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> You're just shitting on the entire OAP population of the UK. It's, it's, it's just one of these songs that people get caught up on in this stupid nostalgia of like, oh, everything was better in the past. No, it wasn't. Everyone died of polio in the past. <laughs> Such not... anger. Oh, I just, I hate this idea that everything was better 60 years ago. And this song epitomises that for me. And it's absolute end of peer bollocks that is the worst of British nostalgia. And just get rid of it. Bin it off. Quite literally could have been in a music hall in a pier. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Exactly. Yeah, I mean... It's got no place. The 60s still had outside toilets, so I don't want to go back there. That's that's my my reason. And, you know, and blatant racism. (laughs) Oh, so yeah, this song just makes me angry. Um, Yeah, I don't know much about Ken Dodd apart from his weird hair. Uh, mm. So um, I really hope he was managed by Brian Epstein. Otherwise, <laughs> we've made an alternative history that doesn't exist. Uh, it really gets on my nerves this song, and it was uh, like I said, I put it at the top from the moment we decided to do this, mm. and I I genuinely thought it was going to be in your top five as well. If only I'd heard it. <laughs> right, so there we have it. That is the first uh, rundown. Of the extra bad number ones from the past. Any any shockers, Nathan? Well, you hadn't heard any of mine, so... I apologise. I think this <laughs> might be an ongoing trend. I think... I'll try and I'll try and stick to ones that I knew before for the 70s, but... I mean, on, on reflection, looking back at the 60s, it wasn't, it wasn't bad, was it? Oh, no. The late 60s is, like, the ultimate. It's hmm. oh, so... So, I mean, maybe the atmosphere of inclusiveness isn't there that would slowly <laughs> uh, slowly form, mainly as uh, disco became a thing and go forward from that. But um, mm. in terms of musicianship, it's just... Un- I mean, the drum fills of the 60s, just on, a, on another level. Mm. Um, that was a bit of a random thing to mention, but it uh, came to my <laughs> brain. Yeah, the 60s was not shit. I struggled to come up with five here. And um, a lot of them were very novelty-based, so um, they were easy picks for me. Um, but yeah, you were you, there. There wasn't many that I was going to choose uh, from, from mm. this list. Yeah, absolutely. So that brings to an end this episode of Extra Bad. Uh, we will be back. Uh, we haven't decided a time frame for this yet, so but we will be back at some point with the 70s, and we'll be continuing up to the present day. Uh, let us know your least favourite 60s number ones uh, on our Facebook page. You can find us Bad Things, the podcast. Uh, we're also on Instagram, at Bad Things Pod, and Twitter, at Bad Things Pod, as well. Nathan, you're going to be leading the 70s charge. Uh, this is a decade that you have often referred to as one of your least favourite in music. Uh, anything that you can whet our appetite with? Just novelty songs galore, soft pop that doesn't go anywhere, um, and um, white people being a bit rubbish is <laughs> sort of how I would sum up the 70s. For a lot of people, their favourite decade in mm. music, but um, apart from uh, funk and disco, I have to say the 70s are a massive struggle for me. <laughs> And that's what we have to look forward to 
next time on Extra Bad. So, from myself, Jacob Simmons, and my colleague, Nathan Packham, we'll see you next time. It's goodbye from me. And goodbye from 60s me. (laughs) We'll see you next time for more white people being rubbish. And until next time, keep bad. Mm -hmm.